That's really the point of this whole relationship series is to give some tools and some uh, different, maybe some new ideas that you never thought about. And relationships, they matter so much. And so the, the whole point of this series, and really as a church, our heart is to help people have healthy relationships, right? That's what we want to do right is we want people to get healthy, have healthy relationships and get that right. And here's the tension, though. Sometimes healthy relationships haven't been modeled for us. And so in this series, we're trying to pull out some principles and some tools to be able to say, here's what you need to do or need to think about if you're going to have healthy relationships in your life. Um, and the reason it's so important, because if you get relationships right, everything else follows, right? And it doesn't matter what you have going in your life that's working. If your relationships aren't working, it doesn't matter how, how much money you have, how much fame you have. Eventually, that won't be enough because relationships are really what life is about. And so we're saying, let's get this right. Let's get relationships right, and, and, and we'll... Other things will work out, right? And so last week, Cesare and I, we did a tag team, and we really talked about one of the main issues in our relationships, and that's self-centeredness, right? We said if we treat our self-centeredness as the main problem in our relationships, then we have a possibility of truly great relationships. So if you and I always look at our self-centeredness in every relationship, say, is there something that I'm doing that's just selfish and is about making it about me in my relationship? If you'll treat it that way, you have a good chance of having really good relationships, right? We said that's because that's the essence of sin is living for ourselves rather than for God or for others. And so the opposite is God is saying live for, live for, for him and then live to serve and help others, all right? And the question we said, you need to change your question from what is best for me to what is God trying to do in us or through us? And when you ask that way, typically that helps you have a better perspective of in this relationship, what is it that God's wanting to do? How can I help this other person? How can I serve this other person? Not just... What is best for me? And last week was all about encouraging one another. And so this series called One Another, and we're taking some one another scriptures throughout, uh, throughout the, Bible, the New Testament that encourage us and, and, and challenge us to love one another, to encourage one another, to help one another. And so every week we're kind of pulling those out. So Romans 12.10, this is the, the verse that we use for the whole series. It says, be, Paul says, be devoted to one another in love. So make sure your commitment is in love. And then honor one another above yourselves. So learn to, to honor others above yourself. And, and we're going to talk about what that looks like today, all right? And so, um, yeah, so today I, I want to jump into the, the third part of this. And um, really, I, I read about this, this study they did, all right? So Harvard uh, started this study in 1938. It was for two years. They, they gathered these, these uh, sophomores from Harvard, um, and they began to um, – uh, what, what they want to do is make a long, a, lo- a long study, so a longitude study, where they're looking at the life of somebody. And so they gathered in, in Harvard 286 – 268 sophomores um, in, in, of that year, and they began to ask them questions and began to study them. And then at the same time, there was another um, study that was going on in tandem called the Gluick, Gluick study that was uh, young men in the Boston inner city, and they, they found 456 of these participants, right, that were non-delinquent. And these two studies be- were kind of at the same time going forward. It's now called, uh, originally it was called the Grant study, now it's called the, the Harvard study of, of adult development. And what's been really interesting about this study is for 75 years, they've been able to track these individuals, right? And so when they're sophomores in, in, in uh, college, uh, up until, until recently, right? And so for 75 years, every two years, they would do interviews with them, their spouses, their children. Uh, they would take blood samples. They would, they would do brain scans because they're trying to figure out, like, what, is, what does it look like to develop as a person, Right. And what's interesting is the first question they asked these participants when it first started is they said, they, this is the question they ask is what, what, um, what makes a good life? What makes a good life? Right. Um, what, in, in your, in your opinion, what do you think uh, would make a good life? So the question is that what they asked was this, uh, what do you think in your lifetime would bring you the, the most happiness? What do you think in your lifetime would bring you happiness? And you know what most of the participants said about what would bring them happiness in their life? Um, they, they said, the majority of them said money, fame, 
and achievement. So if I made enough money, if I was famous enough and I accomplished enough things, that would bring me happiness. Um, now is their answer. So what, what do you think in your lifetime would bring happiness? I'd ask you the same question. And what, what do you think in your lifetime bring happiness? Uh, what's interesting is they asked, partici- they asked millennials just recently the same question. And you know what millennials also answered? Money, fame, achievement. No different, 75, 75 years later, young people still think the answer to life is money, fame, achievement. That would bring me happiness. So in a little bit, I'm going to, have to talk about this study in a while, but um, let, me, let me just talk a little about the challenge when we, when we have the wrong view of relationships and we have the wrong view of even tools in our society like social media. Um, it actually hurts our relationship, doesn't help them. And when we're focused on the wrong thing, we actually will produce and become the wrong per- people and the wrong person. Um, and so here's, here's the thing. When, when we look at the, the things that our culture is pushing off so much, right? Social media is a very big thing in our world. And there's some really good things about social media, but there's a lot of negative things about it. Here's the thing is uh, with social media is it tends to um, make us compare with each other, right? Um, it, it, it gets us to focus on what we don't have um, rather than what we do have. It gets us to, to be maybe envious or jealous of others in their lives because they have something we don't, right? And here, here's the thing. We're not in competition with each other. If you can get this in your heart, this will help you, right? We're not in competition with each other. We're actually in competition with who we were yesterday. And if you could change from saying I'm – those people are my competition to, man, yesterday's Eric is my competition. Am I doing something today that's better than yesterday? Last year's Eric is my competition. Am I improving from who I was years ago, right? Am I allowing God to work in my life? Because um, we're not in competition with others. And, and social media makes us feel like we're in competition with others, right? And um, a lot of times what this does is, is if, you're, if your life is going well, you begin to get proud, prideful, right? Full of pride. And uh, you think you're better than others. And if it's not going well, then you get really discouraged and you think, man, something's missing. I'm just not good. And, and social media only adds to this and makes it even worse because it's always in front of us, right? And, and so we, we end up thinking about um, at people as less and we treat them as less, or sometimes we treat them as even more than they should be, which it's not a good, um, good, either, either extreme is not good for us. Um, and, but here's the thing, when, when it comes to social media, when it comes to, um, trying to to see what others are doing we we say it's a way to connect to people and it is that's that's partly true um but a lot of times it's actually really what drives social media is not is not the connection it's really um status it's where you are in life right it's it's showing others your highlight reel so if you ever look at my social media you're going to see a lot of smiling pictures you never see me crying you never see me the hard days right you only see my highlights and the truth is that's not the whole picture. It's a small snippet of my life or a small snippet of somebody else's life, but it's not there. And when we begin to compare, the problem with comparison is perceived comparison, it always steals our joy, right? It's, it's, the, it's the thief of joy. Whenever you perceive there's a comparison between you and somebody else, it always robs your joy. And instead of being like, wow, this is a really good meal, Taco Bell, it's like, I don't have steak and lobster today. Like, my life is not good. Like, why are you comparing, right? That was a date. That was an anniversary that they saved all year to go, you know, whatever. And Taco Bell is, it, hey, you have food, right? Be thankful. And when it's a perceived comparison, all of a sudden, your joy is stolen because you don't have what they have. And they have more than you, right? And, and people, especially young people, begin to focus on what they don't have. Uh, they focus on where they're not. And they focus on all their wants rather than being grateful for what's in front of them. And if we focus on the wrong things in our relationships, we'll never produce something good in our lives. 
So, so one of the challenges we have in culture is saying, all right, in my life, what is it that God is wanting to do in me, not just what is everybody else doing? And culture has a tendency to want to control everybody else and neglect and forget about the person, the self, right? This is the danger that we live in is when culture begins to say we need to focus on these people, this, these are the issues, we turn the mirror away from ourselves and we turn it on everybody else saying, hey, you need to change. And God is always saying that's the opposite of what I want. It's not about you forcing others to change. That's called control. It's called manipulation. It's saying, let's look in the mirror and let me work in your life. It starts with me. It starts with you. How can I become the person that God wants to see? Because a, a filter that we put on, on social media, it's, it's, it's one-dimensional. We only see one aspect. And if we're not careful, we'll begin to want what those people have, not understanding what it costs them, and honestly, what it's going to cost them in the future. And, and if you don't have to look very far, but if you look into the rich and the famous, if you look at the relationships, their families, a lot of times they are broken. They are, they're, their kids don't want to be around them, right, uh, because of the way things play out. And everybody wants that until they realize, like, oh, wow, it doesn't always play out the way I thought it would. Money doesn't buy you a perfect life, right? It only complicates our lives a lot of times. So we need to say, God, in my life, let me not just be um, always focused on others, but let me focus on what you want to do in my life. Because um, he, here's the thing that God always wants to start is with us. And who we're becoming is in, in our relationships are more important than um, what others are struggling with. See, in our relationships, here's what gets us in trouble is we tend to focus on the other person's issue. Like, you have issues, and you need to work on those things. And instead of just always pointing at that, God is saying, wait, wait, you have issues too. In fact, he told, he told uh, one of the parables, he says, you know, um, if you have a, it's not right to, for, for one person that has uh, uh, um, something in their eye to be able to point out something small in somebody else's eye. So don't point out the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye, right? There's something that's blinding you, you can't even see it. Focus on that first, and then maybe your brother will say, hey, can you help me with my speck? And that's he says to get right. Start with you, and then others will eventually uh, help you. So in our culture, the great thing about where we live in, in the day and age is if you don't have um, healthy people modeling for you, like healthy marriages, healthy relationships, there's a lot of resources and tools that can help you learn something and to grow. Um, and it takes, you to, it takes you to be able to say, I don't have what I need. I'm lacking something. So um, let me look for that. Let me search for help to be able to have healthy relationships. In fact, we give out a resource called Right Now Media. It's free. It's kind of like a subscription, like a Netflix subscription, but it's all Bible study for kids, for youth, for uh, adults. And whatever aspect of your life, like last night I just went on and I said, uh, so for people that are trying to date, maybe they don't have the right skills, like what should I be looking for in, in the, my relationships when it comes to dating or to marriage? If you just go type in dating, there was 433 results that pop up to help you with resources to say, hey, when it comes to dating, here's some great things to think about. My favorite is Andy Stanley. He has the new rules to, to dating, uh, to the love, dating, and, and sex. And he has a series that is just awesome. In fact, I'm going to read a, a, a question from one of his series that I listened to 10 years ago. And I still remember even the stories that he tells in that because it was, it was impacting in my life. And there, there's these series that can help you. If you're trying to figure out how to, how, what makes marriage work, what makes dating work, right, what makes relationships work, we have to become students to be able to learn these things. In fact, in Andy Stanley's series, he asks this question. He says, especially if you're single and you're looking for a healthy relationship, um, he, he, he says, ask this question. Am I the person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? It's kind of confusing, right? Am I the person the person I'm looking for is looking for? We could change this in any relationship, right? Am, am I the person that, that I'm expecting the other person to be in this relationship? Am I being that person? And a lot of times we're honest. No, we want others to change, but we don't want to change. We want others to serve and do things for us, but we don't always want to serve others. 
And the point he's making in this when it comes to dating, when it comes to if you will focus on becoming the person that you're looking for, that the person you're looking for is looking for, you'll eventually find that person. But if you're not, you'll miss it. In fact, he tells a story of this young lady who's in college, and uh, she grew up in, as, as a Christian, but when she went to college, she kind of just went crazy, right? Just did everything, partying and all that stuff. And she came home, and, and, and her relationship with her mom, they were, they were, they were, her mom was trying to help her. And she met this guy at, at, at some event, and uh, she was just so infatuated, so, so enamored. He was a, um, a Christian, Jesus follower. And she came, and she told her mom all about this awesome guy. And she said, honey, here's the problem, though. Uh, you're not the kind of girl that guy's going to be looking for. And she said she fell down and just cried on the floor. And it wasn't her mom being a mean mom saying you're no good. Her mom was trying to say, you were living outside of what you know is, is right. And she says, until you get this right, you're going to miss opportunities like that. And her mom was absolutely right because she wasn't being the person that the person she was looking for, that he was looking for. And we have to become, say, okay, in, this, in, this, in our relationships, how can I focus on me and say, God, work in my life so I could be the person other people need? That I can, I can allow you to work in my life so I can become more and more like the person that, that I need to be so that those that I'm, I'm in my life, my relationships I have, it'll be healthier, right? In fact, uh, there's another a doc, a Dr. Les Parrott. He says it like this. He says, um, if you try to build intimacy with another person before you were healthy yourself, before you got holy on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. What he's saying is when we don't, we're not healthy as individuals, and, and scriptures say this, when we don't have a healthy relationship with God and we're not, we're not in, in, in right standing with him, instead of looking to him for our, our, our source and, our, and, our, and, and hope and, and everything he has for us, we begin to look to others to complete us. And here's what's, what's the problem is if I look to sincerity to complete me, it's unfair because she's a flawed, sinful person just like I'm a flawed, sinful person. And if I look to, for, to her to complete me, I'm putting an expectation on her that she could never fulfill. And that's unfair on me to, to do that. And then when she messes up, it's like, oh, you're no good. You're horrible, right? You, you can't even – and it's because I'm putting my hope in her rather than in what God wants to do. And what, what Dr. Les Parrott is saying is if we're not healthy and we don't let God work in our life, every relationship we have will always be an attempt to try to help us feel better. And instead of looking to them when they maybe even say hard things back to us, we get mad and get hurt, rather than saying, you know what, maybe that's a reflection of what I'm supposed to see and something I'm supposed to work on myself. Because here's what happens in relationships. Relationships only magnify us. They don't complete us, right? So in a relationship, you can, you can say it's a, you add the, the ER to it, right? So if in a relationship, if you're healthy, the other person is only going to help you become healthier, right? But if you're um, unhealthy, that person is only going to magnify the unhealthiness in you, and you'll be unhealthier. If you're a little overweight in a, going into a relationship, right, that person is only going to uh, give you allowances because our circles do this. If you're unhealthy and you're, maybe you're, you're uh, overweight, you're only going to become overweightier, right? You add the er to it. If you're broke and you get in a relationship, they're not going to all of a sudden be rich. You're going to be broke-er, right? Because relationships, they only magnify who we are. They magnify us. So your relationships magnify already what's there because we, they say this, divorce runs in circles, success runs in circles. If you look at successful people, the, the relationships they have are other successful people. And they allow each other to say, hey, that's not good. That's not right. And then unhealthy relationships, they run in circles because they say, it's okay. I do it too. Just keep doing it. It's okay. We're all in debt. We're all, you know, whatever aspect of society you want to say. And we allow them, we get permissions to keep doing that. So we run in the circles who we're with, and they give us the allowances to keep doing what we're doing. In some cases, that's good. In a lot of cases, that's a, that's a negative thing. 
And that's what Dr. Les is saying. He's saying don't um, learn to allow God to work in your life so that you don't always look for others to complete you, right? That you're not just a, just going from relationship to relationship saying you're finally going to be the one. And here's the myth. That, that one person is going to complete you. They're not going to complete you. They're only going to magnify you. And if you're a jerk before you get married, you're going to be a jerky. You're a person, right? Er is just, it magnifies it. And so we say, God, in my life, how can I become the person you want me to become? So here, let me, let me show you a scripture where um, some ideas of this come out when it comes to one another, right? So Peter says this in 1 Peter 5.5. 5, he says, all of you, so talking to everybody, what's interesting, he starts this whole section off by saying, um, you who are younger, learn to submit yourself to the elders. So he's saying, if you're a young person, Anybody that's under authority, he's saying, make sure you submit yourself to the authority because they're there to help you, right? Young people tend to think, like, um, I, I can just figure this out with my friends. I can figure out what's going on. He's saying, no, no, just learn, learn early on that there's going to be other people that know more than you and learn to seek them. And he says, all of you, and he goes on and says, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. So our one another today is, is learning to cl- clothe ourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. You want God's favor? He says, become a humble person. A humble person is not pointing out everything else everybody else is doing. They're saying, hey, in my life, I have issues. In my life, I have, I have gaps. In my life, I have blind spots. In my life, there's things that I need to get better in, right? And he's saying, if you do this, God will give favor to you because God opposes the proud, but he always shows favor to the humble. So notice, clothe yourselves. So I noticed that nobody in this room is naked, right? Everybody has clothes on. Which means you got up this morning and you changed out your pajamas into some really nice clothes. You all look very nice. But you made a choice to put on whatever you're wearing, right? Some of you took five minutes. Some of you just rolled out of bed and throw whatever you found. Others, you took maybe an hour, right? Getting everything proper, right? That's, that's good. It's not bad. Just it takes time. Here's the point. All of us made a decision to put on what we have. Paul says, I mean, Peter says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. It's a choice. To clothe yourself with humility is saying, I'm going to choose, I'm going to be intentional about my life, that in my relationship with my wife, with my kids, with my friends, with others, my boss, my coworkers, that when I go in this relationship, I'm going to say, okay, maybe, maybe they know something I don't know. Maybe they're having a really hard day. And it, yes, I'm having a hard day too, but instead of just unloading all my, my hurt, maybe I can say, hey, how are you, how you doing? How are you really doing? How are things going? That's what, that's what clothing ourselves with humility. It's, it's a, it's a, a choice, an intentional choice to say, I'm going to be aware of where I'm at in this relationship. I don't always have to be the most important person. Sometimes I can allow them to talk more. Sometimes I can ask them more questions, right? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit myself to them so that they can be better, right? So I can do something to serve them. Um, so in that study I talked about for 75 years, right, um, they, they, they track these, these, in, these individuals every two years, asking these questions, doing all that. So there's a TED Talk back, that was given back in 2015 uh, of the most current, um, the, the person that oversees that study, the most current one. He gave this talk, um, and, and in this talk, he talks about, um, I'm going to give you some points he talks about, but he, he summarizes. He says, all right, so the answer they thought was what's going to make your life happier was money, fame, and achievement. He says, it turns out that after 75 years of talking and studying, he says, this is, the, this is what makes, life, makes us happier in life. He said, good relationships. They keep us happier, and they keep us healthier, period. It's not the money. It's not the fame. It's not the achievement. Because after 75 years, asking these, these individuals, what is it that makes you happy? It was no longer the money. It was no longer the fame. It was no longer the achievement. It was the 
relationships in their life that kept them healthy, healthier and healthier. So in our lives, we have to pay attention to the relationships we have because we're, we're becoming somebody. And every single relationship is helping us either become a better version of ourselves or a worse version of ourselves. This is what Sincere and I kind of hinted at last week, and not hinted, but talked about, is when, when we have the gift of helping each other become who God wants us to become. But the flip side of that, we also have the, the ability to help the other person become a worse version of themselves. If I speak harsh words to her all the time, if I'm always criticizing her, if I'm, always, if I'm being a jerk all the time, she's not going to become a better version. She's going to become a worse version of herself. And the same is flip side for her for me. If she doesn't respect and honor me, I can become a worse version of myself. All of our relationships have the ability to do that. And he's saying in, in life, what's going to make you happier is good relationships. Having good relationships, they're going to keep you healthier and happier, period. That's what, that way he summarized. So what makes a good life? This is the, the, the name of his TED Talk is what makes a good life. Lessons from the longest study on happiness. So Dr. Robert uh, Waldinger, is who, who gave this talk in 2015, the latest pro- program director for this, this, long, long, uh, this study on, on uh, development, adult development. So he, said, he gives five points. He says this. Here's, here's five things that are going to make, make your life better, right, when it comes to ha- have healthy relationships. He said, one, social connections, they're really good for us. So for 75 years, they learned, in, in, as people mature and grow, Social connections are really good for us. Not social media connections. Those could be good, but those could be bad. It's actual social connections, like eye-to-eye contact, physical touch, right? Conversations. Um, people who are socially connected to family, to friends, and community are happier, they're healthier, and they live longer. You don't live longer? Get healthy relationships. Get good relationships. And what's interesting about his study is you could find all of these in Scripture. It's what God talks about. It's, it's what God points to. I love when science and Scripture... You, Science always just finally catches up with what the Bible's been saying, right? It's not good for man to be alone. It's always pointing back to what God, how God created us. So social connections are really good for us. Two, uh, the experience of loneliness turns out to be very toxic. So being alone, you make poor decisions, and it actually it kills. Lonely people are less happy. Their health declines earlier in middle life. Brain function declines, and they live shorter lives. So people who are lonely, people who, who experience this, it's, it's, it's worse on that. Number three, the quality of close relationships, they make the difference. So it's the quality of those relationships that are, that are going to make the difference. If you want to become better, you get a coach, right? You get you, that, that relationship. So amateurs, they learn by trial and error, but professionals always get coaches. Like I think of Michael Phelps. Can you imagine this guy who coaches Michael Phelps, right? For a long time he's been coaching him. He cannot swim as fast as Michael Phelps. I'm, I'm sure he probably can't even keep up with him. But he knows what Michael Phelps needs to accomplish those things because as a coach, he knows what to look for, right? So we look for people who can help us. So if you want a better marriage, find some coaches, find some resources that can help you become better in your relationships, finances, whatever aspect of your life that you're maybe lacking, you find people, right? So it's quality relationships that are going to make the biggest difference in your life because bad relationships are both, um, they're, they're, they're destructive and good relationships are always more protective. Um, it determines even our cholesterol levels in our life, right, when we have unhealthy relationships or healthy relationships, um, and it also affects our, our satisfaction in life. The number four, he said this in their study, is good relationships, they don't just protect our bodies, they protect our brains. And this is really important, right, because God created us to, to, to function in a way that's going to be the healthiest. And, and so he's saying it, it helps, helps us stay healthier. And really the question is, can I count on you in those relationships? And when you can count on somebody, you stay healthier, Right? The opposite is true. When you can't count on somebody, the memory begins to go. Right? And the fifth thing is he's the hard work. The hard work of, uh, of tending to family and friends is messy. 
It's complicated, it's lifelong, and it's never-ending. Hopefully, when you heard me sincerely talk last week, we gave you this idea that we're not perfect, right? Because sometimes people tend to think, like, others have it all together, I don't. Others' marriages are easy, ours are not. And last week, as we spoke, we're trying to say, hey, we struggle too. Like, we go through things, right? We have fights sometimes too. I'm not always the best husband. I, I'm not always the best father. And what, what he's saying is it's hard work. And we have to get rid of the myth that it should just come easy. It should just be, it should just happen. No, it's work. It always takes work. And having good relationships, it's messy. It can be complicated. And sometimes it's just a never-ending process. But that's not a bad news. That's good news. Because that helps us to say we're not there yet. We can keep working to become better. You don't just arrive. It takes work, right? Life is work. And if we want the quality of those relationships to help us, right, we have to always work at it. And they'll begin to protect us, and they'll be life-giving when we do it that way. So Paul tells in Philippians 2, he says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So he's saying, guys, start with us. Start with you. Start with the individual and say, God, what is in my life that you want me to do? Have a have a have um, the right perspective of where you stand in this world. It's not you. It's God using you, right? And if he blesses you, it's because God's blessed you. He's saying, don't do things out of your, for just yourself. Rather, remember, in humility, it's a choice. We clothe ourselves, right? We, we put it on. Value others above ourselves. Not looking at our own interests, but the interests of others. A lot of times the pushback is, if I do this, then nobody's going to take care of me. And scripture says, when you do this, God always takes care of you. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is, is um, um, one of the stories is in the Old Testament where the husband is, gonna try, is, is really a jerk to David, uh, King David, and uh, uh, David's about to kill him, and his wife comes out and says, hey, um, sorry, my husband's he's not, he's not doing very good. Uh, forgive him. And, and she appeases David. She kind of helps the, the men and, and saves, her, saves her family from getting killed that day. And eventually, the, her husband, God kills her husband and then gives her as a wife to David. And I always think, like, when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, God's going to take care of you. Even to the point of taking people out of your life, I'm not saying he's going to kill them, but he'll remove them from your life. Sometimes he doesn't have to do that, but a lot of times he just removes them so you can have better if you trust God. And a lot of times we don't, we don't always trust him enough to do that. And so God is saying, let me, let me help you. So um, I like listening to TED Talks because um, I find them interesting because here's like a, somebody who's worked hard in their profession to learn things. Uh, so one TED Talk was good. There's another TED Talk. It's called uh, 10 Ways to Have a Better uh, Conversation. And this lady's a professional interviewer, right? So she works for uh, as a reporter, and so she she gives this talk on helping us to say having a being a good interviewer is the same as having a good conversation. And in our relationships, if we're going to have good relationships, healthy relationships, we have to be better conversationalists, right? We have to learn to be able to communicate and ask questions and, and, and be aware of those things. So I'm just give you ten things to have better relationships. Here's ten tools, ten ten basic skills that you can maybe begin to implement. And notice that these skills always take and require humility. It, it requires us to be the student, to get the notebook out and say, what can I learn from this situation? Because everybody's good for something, even if it's just a bad example, right? Sometimes those are the best examples. Don't do that, right? Others, are, they're good for good examples. So here's the 10 things that uh, this, this lady, her name is Celeste uh, Hadley. Um, she says this uh, as, a, as an interviewer, right? Um, she says, one, um, if you're going to have, have better conversations, don't multitask or be half in. Be present. Talked about last week, right? Don't have your phone when you're talking to people. Put it away. Right? Don't keep looking at it. It just hurts relationships. So don't just be, be, be fully present. When you're in your conversation, just give them your whole attention. Right? And, and it, it'll go quicker than you think a lot of times. Two, assume you have something to learn. Just have your notebook open always. Right? Just be somebody saying, what can I learn from this? What, what, what in their life has they, have, have maybe they've gone through? What, what experiences do they have? 
what can I learn from this person? Three, use open-ended questions like who, what, when, where, why, and how. And then let the other person just describe things, right? This is a good, what, what a good interviewer does, but it's a good conversation. Ask those questions. Um, when did that happen? Where were you born? Why do you feel that way? Why do you think that, right? How, how, how did you accomplish that? How did you beat that addiction? How did you whatever? Four, go with the flow. Just let stories come and go. It's, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a conversation, right? It's a relationship. Let it go where it needs to go. I have this, I have this, um, this belief that when we're in conversations, if we'll really be open and listening, Holy Spirit will help us always know how to navigate things. And a lot of times he'll bring up things that we never thought of asking, but he'll help us to be able to just walk through those. And sometimes some conversations I have, it starts off with just kind of like whatever, and it ends up like in, whoa, that was like a God moment where God just showed up in a powerful way. Because we're just kind of saying, God, where do you want to lead this? How do you want this to go? Number five, um, if you don't know, say you don't know. This is really good. I don't know. Every practice, I don't know. That's okay. It's not a bad thing, right? It's humility. It takes humility to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's not bad, right? Um, so if you don't know, just say you don't know. And then, you know, just keep going. All right, number six, don't equate your experience with, 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 with theirs. So just let theirs be their experience. They don't have to always take over. Oh, yeah, well, I had like 10 times worse experience than that, right? You ever had that person in the one-upper, right? It's like you say something, oh, yeah, well, I ate 10 of those. I'm like, good for you, man. All right. It just hurts relationships. They don't, it just shows that you're not interested in, their, in what they're saying. Um, number seven, don't try, to re- try not to repeat yourself, right, when you're talking. Just get to the point. Like make it condensed. Just be, be aware of that. Which the next one goes with it. Stay out of the weeds, right? People don't care about dates. Sometimes we get so, you know, off into the weeds, talking about things, we kind of lose the whole point of what we're trying to do. Uh, number nine, uh, listen. Listening is the number one most important skill. He says this, or she says this, we like to talk, but our brains only allow us to talk at 225 words per minute, but we can listen at 500 words per minute. So if you listen more, you actually learn more. If you talk more, you learn less, right? So learn to listen more, ask more questions, be open to what they're saying. So it is the number one most important skill in conversation is listening. Not listening so you can respond, listening to what they're saying, right? And then maybe just be like, huh, okay, now it's my turn to talk. Um, What am I going to say, right? Instead of being like, waiting for them to find a finish and then jump in, you're not listening, right? So just let it finish and then go in. And then number 10, finally, be brief be, and be pre- prepared to be amazed. So she said in these conversations, be brief and be prepared to be amazed in these, in these moments of, of helping others. So Peter, he tells, remember this, he says this, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he, gives, he shows favor to the humble. Let's learn to be humble people and say, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all together. Um, I need help in these areas. And then search out resources, search out people, right? Um, I, I always try to follow the trail. So when I was 19, I asked some, some other leaders, said, what do I need to be working on as a 19-year-old trying to become a pastor? And they said, you should read a lot, right? And, they said, and I said, who should I read? They said, study leadership. And I said, well, who does leadership? And they said, John Maxwell. So I began to read John Maxwell. And I read almost every book. I think I read every book he had. And after I read all his books, I said, okay, well, who is John Maxwell learning from? So I'd go back to the back, and I'd look at all the little references, and he kept name, he, he referenced Dale Carnegie, uh, Carnegie a bunch. So I said, who's Dale Carnegie? So I went and bought some Dale Carnegie books, and then I wanted to figure out who is this guy learning from, right? And, and you just you follow the trail, and you figure out who could – maybe I know some resource that you could really benefit you, or maybe somebody in your life knows a resource that could benefit you. It takes humility to say, hey, can you help me in this area, Right? In your work, if you're struggling with somebody, with something in your work, instead of just trying to like pretend you have it all together, just sometimes say, hey, uh, you're doing really good at this. How can you help me get better at mine? And most of the time, not always, most of the time people want to help us succeed. They want to help us. But it takes humility 
It takes humility for us to say, I don't have it all together. I need help. I need to improve. How can I get better? Um, this last week, I started a coaching call with, other, uh, with, with another coach and other pastors uh, uh, that are going through this because I want to know, what are they doing when it comes to COVID? What, is it, what are they doing to prepare for the next stage? Because I don't have all the answers. So I'm saying, how can I learn and grow in, in the stage of life that I'm in? And what's great is all these other pastors I'm in the group with, they're all about the, we're all about the same uh, level like at church, right? The same stage of, of church planning and things like that. And so we, there's a lot of common things that we can do, but then there's a coach who's ahead of us saying, hey, think about these things. What about this? And anyways, we all need help to become better uh, people, right? So make sure that we, we do that. Um, and then Paul tells us this, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. This takes humility. If you want to know how to honor one another above yourselves, you have to be humble enough to say, today I'm going to, I'm going to trust God to take care of all my needs. I'm going to serve and help others. So today's challenge is this. Would you put on humility in your relationships? Would you choose to put on humility and wear it in your relationships, right? Be for them what you're needing. Be for them what, what maybe they're lacking in their life. Be a life-giving person, right? Um, John, uh, Jesus tells us in John 10.10, 10, he says that the thief, the enemy, comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give life and life to the full. So he's saying, I've, I've come to give you a healthy relationship, a good relationship, I've come to, to help you in, in this life, if you'll let me. And then just four verses later, he actually demonstrates and shows and tells him how to do this. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So if, you, if people want to know if you're really a disciple, you'll be loving each other. the way. And then he says, the way I've loved you, that's how you need to love one another. We said this, that biblical love is a decision to seek the well-being of others. That takes humility. The biblical love is a decision to seek the well-being of others, right? So in our relationships, they determine who we are and who we're becoming. Your relationships, they determine who you are and who you're becoming. Um, there was about uh, five, four years ago, five years ago, um, I, I, I had a really... Um, it was a really tough experience as a pastor and some things that took place in, 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 our, in our church. Um, and I was overwhelmed. It was like one of those things like, I, I don't know how to handle this. I was, I was not prepared for this. But what exactly did I do? So I called my mentor, Carl, and I began to tell him about everything that was going on. And it was really, really overwhelming. Um, and I said, after I poured out my, all my heart and just like my, um, my, my insecurities, everything that was going on, I said, well, I guess this is what we signed up for, right? And he says, I don't know about you. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> he says, I signed up to preach the gospel and help people know Jesus. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to school to be somebody's psychologist and to, to counsel somebody in, uh, through psychotherapy, right, all this stuff. He's like, you're not, that's not our call, Eric. And it was amazing to have this, like I had this pressure. That I had to be everybody for every, everything for everyone. And the moment I called somebody knew more than me, he says, that's not what I, hey, Eric, you're putting an expectation of yourself that is not realistic is not real. If I would have made that phone call, and if I would have said, hey, I need some help here, I would have maybe went through my whole ministry. Maybe I wouldn't even be a pastor this moment because it was so overwhelming. I don't know. Thinking that I had to have all of it together to be able to handle these situations. He said, Eric, you don't. You don't have to. That's not what you're called to. That's not even your job. That's not your responsibility. Do what God's asking you in these situations, but leave it in God's hands. And it's kind of like this weight just lifted off of me saying, Eric, you don't have to be that. I'm so thankful that I have healthy relationships and people I could call to say, hey man, I'm just, I'm really going through something difficult. Can you help me? Hey, can I just, can I have your ear for a second? 
And then a lot of times, honestly, I'm that person for others. They call and say, hey, can we just talk? And it's amazing how something shifts in our life when we have relationships that we can say, hey, I don't have it all together. Can you please help me? So in your life, it's going to take humility, but you need to be the person that says, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know it. I don't know the answer. I don't, I've gone to this stage and what got you to this stage is not going to get you to the next one. So who can help you get to the next one? In your finances, in your marriage, your relationships, in school, there's always somebody. And if you'll prepare yourself, God will always provide the coach. He'll provide the, 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 the person that can teach you, right? But it takes humility saying, I, need, I can't do this. I don't know what to do. God, help me. Sometimes God gives the answer, but a lot of times he uses people in our lives to help us to take that next step. So notice how Jesus, in, 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 in the, the teachings, he's wanting to help, help healthy relationships with each other. But he always says it always starts our relationship with God, right? Our horizontal relationship is always the most important one. That's where it starts. And then from there, it begins to impact our vertical. Most humans tend to only focus on the vertical relationships, and they, don't, they ignore the vertical, the, the, horse, the vertical one saying, God, I need your help. God is saying, start here. So maybe in your relationships, if you look around, maybe they're not healthy this way. Well, instead of always looking for others to complete and to fix, it starts by saying, God, help fix me first. Let's work on this part, you and me. And then I know you'll help me find resources. You'll help me to find people who know what to do. I'll put my trust in, in, in you and others to help me figure out this part. It always starts here. And so today as we end our service, I want to give an opportunity for anybody that's in the room that maybe this relationship is out of whack. Maybe this is non-existent. Like it's kind of one of those things you're not praying, you don't seek God because maybe it's a little pride. You think you have it all together. You've got to say, no, it starts here. It starts here. And all of us need this relationship. I need it. And sometimes I ignore it. Sometimes I neglect it. God is saying, this has to be a priority. It starts here between you and me. When you let me work in your life, these other things will begin to work out also. Do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. If you're here today and you would say, you know what, my relationship with God is lacking. Maybe it's non-existent. Maybe you've been doing your own thing. Being Jesus follower says, God, I want to follow your lead. I want to put you first in my life. And so today you're here, you would like to say that. God, I, I want to invite you to lead me and guide me in this journey. If that's you, would you just let me know if that's you by lifting your hand. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to leave you in a prayer right there in your seat. If that's you, just say, take takes humility, right? Say, God, I, I need your help. Awesome. Anybody else? Awesome. Awesome. All right, for you that raised your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. And uh, for the rest of us in this room, would that even if you didn't raise your hand, would you pray with me so that those who raise their hand aren't praying alone? Say this, say this today. Say, Father God, today I need your help. I don't have it all together need you. Forgive me of my sins, of my choices that have led me away from you. Today, I invite you into my life to begin this work to help me become who you want me to become. Thank you for sending Jesus to give an example of how to live for the sacrifice on the cross on my behalf I put my trust in you I choose to follow you in Jesus name I pray Amen Amen
Come on, church. Let's celebrate those that prayed that prayer today. So good. For you that prayed that prayer, just a very simple thing you can do on your phone at some point. Just text 94000. Just put TGSF. And then just put, you know, next step. What's my next step? I prayed that prayer. What am I supposed to do now? First step is always saying, God, I want to get it right with you. Next step, water baptism. There's other steps that come after it. If you send this text, I'll actually send you a resource. That Even that right, right now media resource, we'll send that to you free. Um, but we'll send you some other. Here's some next steps to take on this journey because it's a journey. And every journey is one step at a time, just trusting God, putting him in first in our lives, all right? So let us know you did that, and we'll uh, send it out, out to you guys to help you.